Typically, you buy that life insurance policy and you really kind of put it on the shelf and, and most people don't think about it, right. um, which is very different than uh, buying an auto insurance policy where people really understand, uh, you know, and they're comfortable making that purchase. Um, it's something they have to think about each year as, as premiums renew, you buy a new car. So that those are just some of the reasons why, um, you know, life insurance is inherently different. Brian Cass uh, with me. He is the president and managing director of CMFG Ventures. Welcome, Brian. Thanks a lot, Josh. Great to be here with you this afternoon. You know, I know you you sort of sit in an interesting intersection of fintech, insurtech, insurance, investing, uh, et cetera. So uh, maybe you could give us to, to start a little bit about your background and kind of how it led you to the role you're in today. Going way back, uh, to the beginning of my career, actually was uh, a lawyer and practiced uh, insurance M&A law, which kind of led me to the path uh, of eventually leading both um, our corporate development function and in venture capital arm uh, for Keaton Mutual Group. Sort of making the transition from being an attorney to now being someone who you know, leads principal investing and corporate development functions and, you know, partnership activity as well. You know, was that a sort of a plan you had uh, that you wanted to get from A to B or how, how did that evolve? I've always had a passion for, uh, you know, working on transactional matters. And, uh, you know, there was an opportunity about six years ago to really kind of transition out of uh, working in a legal capacity on on transactions to to leading them and uh, i jumped at the opportunity and yeah, i think the experience of of practicing as an attorney i mean one thing we do is we solve a lot of problems uh and i think it's that training that that positioned me well certainly working with a lot of companies in our portfolio that um, have challenges and obstacles to overcome um are there sort of particular fundamental investment philosophies that, um, that, that, that you've shaped the, the, the organization based on? Yeah, I think in terms of when we look at opportunities from either an acquisition or investment lens, yeah, we really look at opportunities that are core to our parents' operations versus those that are either ancillary or complementary to what we're doing. And if it's core, yeah, we'll, we'll look at and, and consider an acquisition. Could you give any examples of sort of how this approach has impacted CUNA directly on its you know, balance sheet or P&L or, or else you know, had impact into that um, you know, credit union uh, landscape where, where, where you have so many relationships? You know, I think a good example of of you know what we've really been focusing on, um, where these all kind of come together, um, would be uh, in the area of of some technology related acquisitions that we've made that can complement you know some of the <coughs> some of the investments that we've made. So we acquired a company back in 2018 that provides a lot of the um, underlying transactional documents and, and lending documents that are relied on by banks and credit unions, either when they 
open a new account, um, provide a loan to the consumer. So it's really kind of that backend function. They, they serve about 1,300 banks in addition to the 5,200 credit unions that we serve. Uh, we have a number of companies that provide um, lending uh, solutions and lending related technologies that are leveraged by banks and credit unions, or in some cases that are originating loans that are funded off the balance sheets of, of credit unions. And again, it's sort of leveraging our collective strengths um, to really accelerate um, our um, uh, movement in the market. Do you see anything that is sort of unique about InsureTech as, as either a sector or an area to invest, or, or do you do it view it as just another sort of branch, whether it's you know lending tech, payments tech, reg tech maybe, or other areas of, of fintech that are out there? You know, I think there are some companies certainly that, that overlap into both fintech and insurtech in terms of you know serving um, both markets. These may be customer engagement um, platforms or, or products that that may be more in the wealth tech that could be utilized um, between banks and and insurance companies. But I also think there are some you know pretty key distinctions and. Uh, you know, as, as being, you know, I think at least one of the only corporate venture capital funds, if, if the only one that really kind of straddles both the way we do, um, you know, a couple of observations that, you know, we've made, you know, one, you know, it's, it's pretty clear that the insure tech space is still probably five to seven years behind from a maturity standpoint of where fintech uh, is currently at. Um, so we still have a lot of earlier stage entrants in the space, um, uh, a lot of new companies being organized, whereas you know, we're starting to see more maturity on, on the fintech side. Would you be able to elaborate any more on, on, on sort of the specifics of, I mean, because I think most people observe life insurance moving more slowly in terms of innovation, but anything in particular that that was highlighted in that discussion as to why? Yeah, I think a couple of reasons, you know, maybe one of the biggest, when you look at um, direct to consumer insure techs trying to offer life insurance, um, you know, people buy a life insurance policy with the hope and expectation that, um, you know, that company will be around 40, 50 years from now when, um, you know, when the claim is, is made on that policy. So I think one, you have a lot of companies that are not uh, recognized by the public and they're just more hesitant yeah. to buy life insurance from an early stage company that whereas many of the life insurance companies have been around for, you know, 100, 150 years. You know, there was just the big ITC conference last week and I was there. It seemed like, you know, quite a lot of activity, but you know, from your perspective, looking ahead at some of the trends and where maybe you might be looking to deploy capital in any one of your strategies, uh, anything you can share without giving anything uh, too proprietary away? An area that we're very interested in is, you know, whether it's on insurance or uh, on, on, on banking is really sort of where you have embedded financial services. 
Mm-hmm. So I think what you're seeing is, you know, with um, lending products, for example, where they're really getting embedded in the merchant transaction itself. So they're really kind of moving to that point of sale. Um, in a, you know, I think insurance is starting to move that direction as well. But are there any investments that you make strictly for financial return versus uh, having a strategic impact for the organization or in building the ecosystem that you described? Yeah, we do apply a strategic filter to all of the investments and, and even more so with the acquisitions that we pursue. So, right. and we do that in, in part because we really want to be um, investors that can help drive value into companies. And if if we you know invest in a company that um, has no strategic uh, tie-in to our parent company or into the um, the broader banking and credit union system where, where we have relationships, it becomes more difficult for us to help you know drive and accelerate growth in those companies and, and be a value-added investor. Um, so you know, to date, we we have not invested in in purely financial uh, companies, but you know, in some instances, we'll invest in companies that that could be very disruptive um, to our strategy or to um, the strategy of credit unions. And um, uh, so sometimes we kind of use that the lens, but kind of turn it the other way. Um, to, to make some investments. Any any examples you would give or any advice you would maybe give to someone, whether it's you know mm-hmm. working with a, a CVC or working with an angel investor or working just with a you know a, a, a regular financial investor as a as a venture a venture firm. Any advice you would give to um, founders or, or leaders of these organizations as to you know how to how to best use resources like you bring to the table. To have advisors and surround yourself if you're a startup uh, CEO, founder, or, or executive leadership team, you know, find people that are, that are going to be able to kind of move at the pace that a startup needs to move. And, you know, I think one challenge, you know, from uh, a corporate VC standpoint, and we, we, you know, we educate our own portfolio companies of, you know, we can't, you know, focus on one opportunity. We can't, you know, put all of our eggs in one basket. Mm-hmm. Um, large corporations, whether you know it's our own or others, are going to move painfully slow on the timelines that that you're operating on. So, you know, I think having advisors that that kind of just reinforce that messaging is critical. Yeah. Any anything else, um, you know, in particular? Uh, within within your portfolio or anything else uh, sort of up, up, upcoming that you'd want to highlight before we wrap up? Over the last two years, had looked at the composition of our portfolio companies and, and looked at the diversity within the portfolio. And um, as I'm sure you're aware, you know, a significant amount of venture capital, I think the statistics are about 97% of, of venture capital goes to uh, white male founders and and we uh, earlier this year set um, established a, a second fund called the the Discovery Fund, which is dedicated to investing in 
earlier stage companies than where we had been investing. So really looking at, at pre-seed and seed stage companies um, to, to provide capital to those companies um, uh, that are founded by um, individuals of color or women founders, um, uh, LGBTQ plus founders um, to you know, provide them with the capital needed to kind of grow Anything else we didn't cover that you might want to touch on before we wrap up? No, I think that covers uh, a lot of the the key things that that we're uh, focusing on. So really appreciate the opportunity to to connect here today. Well, um, Brian Cass, President and Managing Director of CMFG Ventures. Thanks very much for being on. It was great. Thank you very much. Mm-hmm.